Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Joelle Jump. Joelle is CEO of Benchmarks Financial Group in Woodstock, Georgia. She's a native of California who, as a teenager, worked in her uncle's CPA office and ultimately discovered that her passion was working with numbers. These days, she runs Benchmarks, which specializes in serving the dental industry. Welcome to the show, Joelle. Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me. Well, if you don't mind starting off by telling us a little bit about what Benchmarks does and what you, how you guys serve the dental community. Definitely. So we focus on accounting for dental practices, but we really focus on the operations of a dental practice. So we're not going to just give you financials and say, have a great day. Although you do get financials monthly, we work on KPIs. So key performance indicators and that are specific to the dental practice to help you increase profits and drive revenue and kind of see where your revenue is coming, where to trim some fat and where we can maybe market into the community a little more and focus on certain demographics. That's really interesting. So tell me how you would say that the traditional bookkeeping, what traditionally bookkeeping does versus how you guys take it up a level. So a traditional bookkeeper are going to be great at maybe categorizing some expenses, putting them into financials that are tax ready, and you can send over to your tax professional and get taxes done, which is great. We do it a little differently. So we're going to categorize expenses in a way that helps you understand where you're actually spending your money. So we have dental supplies and labs, lab supplies. We have, we break it down into big chunks so you can see kind of the difference in spending, but we also go over it with you. So never is a time where I'm going to send you reporting and expect you to read it and digest it, whatever. We're going to have a phone call. We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to give you another report that gives you your goal to actual. So how much do you want to make versus where you're at now? What is your cash burn look like? How much are you spending every month? What does your patient retention look like? All of the deposits that are going into your practice management software, is that making it to the bank? So we reconcile that. Uh, what's your profit margin per associate? If you've got associates, what is your hygiene doing? How much is your hygiene bringing in monthly? And, you know, some other specialized kind of, if you're tracking, say, case acceptance of what you're presenting, how much is being accepted, how much is not. So it goes a little deeper than just preparing tax-ready financials, which are great for taxes and CPAs, not so great when you're trying to run a practice. That's really interesting. So tell me a couple stories about someone who had a quote traditional bookkeeper switched to benchmarks and after a quarter or two saw the difference what are their reactions well what's great is they just feel a little calmer you know you once you can understand the levers that you have to push or pull or move just a tad and it's just small little tweaks you can see some real changes in your well your bank balance and your profit margin what you can take home and just understanding that was huge for them. And it was such just a lifted weight because everyone stresses. Like you look at the bank account and you're like, is it good? Is it not good? Is it 
where are we at? And you're busy in the chair all day. I mean, as a dentist, I mean, you're trying to manage a team, you're trying to serve the patient, you're in the chair all day, and then you're supposed to do what? Come home and learn how to read financials? No, I mean, that's not feasible and it's not, it doesn't help. So we can take that off of them. And that's what they experience. That's the best thing is like, thank goodness someone is handling this for me. And thank you for taking the time to explain it so that I don't have to worry. It's just taking something off of the list so you can focus on the patients. So peace of mind is what you're bringing to the table. Absolutely. Ease of of business and peace of mind. And you're clarifying what's going on. Yes. No more guessing. So it's interesting because you said on your website how you love solving puzzles and you literally are putting a puzzle together with the dentist financials. And so when you look at this type of business, what do you see as the unique complexities for, for a dentist and their own, who owns his own practice? There's a lot of moving parts in a dental practice. You've got you know the dentist with the actual you know, service and serving the patient. Then you have the team that's supporting the dentist, but not, then you're dealing with health insurance or dental insurance. So you've got insurances, you've got the vendors coming in, everybody's trying to sell you a piece of equipment. Everybody has a better deal on dental supplies. You know, everybody's got their hand out to dental practices because everyone's like, oh, dentists, they make all this money and it's so great. So it's almost, you know, I feel like that's the biggest differentiation in dental practice. I mean, they are, everybody is thinking that that's kind of a place to go to make some money. And just having some safeguard around that and some guardrails, I feel like is huge. But as a dental practice owner, you are the provider, you are the manager, you are, I mean, you're everything. You're almost a one-man shop with all these people just saying, asking for something from you. And it's exhausting. So as much support as we can give, I think is really the game changer. Now, you work with dental professionals. Do you specialize with certain specialties like orthos or endos or perios or generals? And do you typically work with early career dentists or established practice owners? What's the ideal client for you? So we can definitely grow and we do have a lot of emerging dental practices. But I mean, some of our practices have been around for 50 plus years and have gone generational. And I think what's interesting is we can kind of build a package around whatever they need. So our whole goal is to serve the client. So whatever it is you need, you need financials quarterly. Great. We can do that. You need us to work with the bank for you. Sure. No problem. You only need them for taxes because you're brand new and you don't need to look at this all the time. That's fine too. You just need someone to jump on the phone, ask a QuickBooks question too. We got that too. We really do try to grow because that's my favorite part is watching an emerging dentist become, you know, that five to seven year old practice. That's awesome. But we do work with every specialty too. So the reason benchmarks came about is we, we benchmark. So we'll say like your practice compared to other practices like yours in your area at this revenue size, this is what you're, how you're spending compares to those practices. So we can dissect it by specialty, by location, by revenue size. So we really are kind of a, as long as you're, and we do a few vets, but as long as you're kind of that dental specific we can throw some benchmarks together and just kind of grow with you and just be, we like to think of ourselves as partners, just trying to take something off the plate so you can focus on your patients. Now, do you help these practices kind of create goals? You're like, hey, you're doing $3 million of revenue. There's really no reason why you shouldn't be doing three and a half or four. Do you have those conversations with people? I mean, yeah, we definitely say like, well, based on your square footage, you can 
easily add 500,000 to a million more to the practice without doing anything else. Or if we added one more assistant and opened up these hours, then we can, but you know, the reason that we focus on bookkeeping and accounting is we are specialty in, in there. So we like to, in that area, we like to work with whoever. So like the financial planner, the tax accountant, the lawyer, everybody, and try to get everybody on the phone and make sure everyone's kind of moving in the same direction. So can we make those? Absolutely. But if you have somebody that does that, I mean, we love to work with whoever's at the table. Right. What type of trends do you see in the dental world? I mean, obviously the DSOs are big right now coming and buying out practices like crazy, but what other trends are you seeing in the dental world? So we're seeing a lot of the done in ones or, you know, the implant, a lot of general kind of trying to general dentistry, trying to add more to the menu and how can they be unique? finding their unique and advertising in that way. But yeah, DSOs are big. Also, um, a lot of my clients are, you know, forming holding companies and just kind of creating like get a couple of locations, two or three locations and build that up. Real estate is huge. I think real estate is going to be really big deal coming up because I think we're going to see a decline in commercial property prices with COVID and everyone kind of going home, (laughs) working from home. I think that some commercial dental is about to be a really big deal. That's, that's interesting. So you and I work with a, a lot of dentists and in your experience, do you see too many dentists working in their practice versus on their practice? And if so, what is your opinion on that? And what did you recommend? Yeah. So a ton, this is, you know, the hard part I recommend, especially for brand new dentists, I recommend scheduling time to work on your practice. We call them planning days. And just as a new dentist, at least one planning day a week will just save you so much spinning and um, fires. Helps really kind of plan where you're going and how to get there. So I think planning is so, so important, working on the practice versus in the practice. And then as you get associates, you know, you pull back. And I have some practices who owners do not actually practice. They don't see patients they're just running the business. And those value, those practices value much higher than those whose doctors are working in the practice fully and supposed to on. That's a self-managed company. And that's what you want to get to because your valuation is amazing. If, and when you're ready to sell, they can do it without you. So you don't have to commit to another three to five or seven years working in the practice for someone else. So for those who are new and may not know exactly what that means, when you say work on your practice, what do you mean specifically? Give some practical examples. So practical example would be scheduling. I mean, basics, just scheduling your employees. Also just making, you know, checking to see that your insurance claims are going through, making sure that your money is, you've got your cash flow planned out as it's supposed to, setting money aside, looking at debt, making sure that your debt is structured right, making sure you're saving. taking time to sit with the financial advisor or the CPA or whoever to make sure that you're not spending too much at home and taking too much out of the practice. Just taking a second to make sure financially you're in a good position. Otherwise, it's easy to spend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What would you say the biggest mistake that dentists who own their own practice are making in your experience? Usually, honestly, it's spending too much at home. So they're putting too much weight on the practice. The practice can't support it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I see expenses rise to mean income. If you don't have a structure for your cash flow to create a systematic savings plan, then you just start spending and and we get this kind of subconscious entitlement 
and it, it can be deadly. And then if you get a slowdown, like we had last year, oh, even yeah. though you had PPP that helped out a little bit, that's challenging. So was there anything that you took away or you saw that really helped your clients through 2020? Oh, yeah. So I worked with my clients pretty heavily during COVID. You know, it was just be the solution. Be the solution for your community. Be there to help. But those of my clients that had cash set aside and that were prepared and had been working on that for two to three years prior, they didn't feel the slowdown. And they did get the PPP money, but they didn't really use most of it. They kept their employees the whole time. Some furloughed for a little bit when it was a complete lockdown, but they kept all their employees. They kept most of their patients. Some people saw higher revenues during the month of April than they did the year previously because they were seeing so many emergencies. You know, it was just, just be the solution, be open, be available. And those that had cash and that had been with us and we'd been watching it and they kind of, kind of went into like, well, here we go. This is, this is what we planned for. They didn't skip a beat. It was great. So talk a little bit more about that cash cushion. You know, if it's your personal account, it's a rainy day fund, but having a business cash cushion, what do you, because people are always trying to figure out, do I need to buy the latest and greatest piece of equipment? Because it's always, it's really cool. It's really sexy. It's always there. Should I buy that? How much money do I need in my cushion? What are your thoughts on that? What do you recommend? We don't recommend that. I love the equipment guys from Patterson and Shine and all that show up. At the end of the year, it's great. But it's always no. the end of the year, right? Because we got always get that the end of the year. I got that deduction. <laughs> they're like, "Hey, get that deduction!" And I'm like, "Can you get the deduction?" Because it's not just because they. I love the words they say because it's not realistic all the time. So they would like it's great. you to spend a dollar so you can save thirty five cents. If you even have the retained earnings to take the loss, so there's right. a whole conversation around. Really, let's talk to our CPA before we decide to do that because you might not be able to take it. I caution my clients before they buy any piece of equipment, let's talk about it. What is the RI going to be on this? If you buy this piece of equipment, what return on your investment are you going to get? And how long is it going to take for you to get that return? Because are you paying an extra $1,100 a month, but you're not going to get the return for five years after the thing's paid off? And does that make sense for your cash flow? So, um, I'm a big proponent of let's talk about it before we uh, pull that trigger. Every time we have a a dental or a dental conference, I'm like, oh no, here we go, guys. Let's talk first. So from a cushion standpoint, what do you recommend typically? And uh, because that's a big deal because it's that typically that equipment purchase is coming from the cushion. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I like um, three to six months of payroll is where I, you know, everybody has their number though, right? Everybody's got like, I need $100,000 sitting in an account for me to feel comfortable. But um, personally, you know, if you can't think of a number, I like to start with between three to six months of, of an average payroll set aside somewhere. Okay. Now, obviously things have gotten quite high tech in the past few years. Absolutely. And so talk a little bit about how technology works for you because you've got clients nationwide. How is technology making this so much easier all the way around? Yeah. So we don't need a lot of interference with or interaction with any of the clients. We don't interfere. We schedule calls and we, you know, use Zoom and we can screen share and we can have face-to-face conversations. But on a day-to-day basis, we get in, we're accessing the bank accounts, we're accessing the credit cards. We can get into all of that information and get it downloaded, get it coded. There's some expenses we'll ask about for the most part. We know dental, so we we are very familiar with most of the vendors. So 
the technology has really helped us streamline this and take this almost all the way off of the doctor's plate so that they can focus on what they do, which is patient service. And we can focus on what we do, which is putting the numbers together so that we can dissect the business and look at it as a business. And then with Zoom and you know, great that you can see whoever you're working with and really build a relationship without yeah, having to be in person. That's exciting. So from what I saw with a majority of my clients in 2020 was while there was that shutdown of six to eight weeks, depending on where you lived, the pent up demand was pretty substantial. Uh, some specialties that didn't necessarily have pent up de- demand, but you know, like the orthos, everyone's typically on a payment plan. So their cash flow wasn't hurt as much as say a general. But like you said before, the generals were making up in emergencies. Majority of people I've seen, the dental industry did really, really well in 2020. More of them probably, they probably had higher revenue in 2020 than 2019. What are you seeing over the next couple of years from your perspective in 2021 or 2022? Obviously taxes are likely to go up, but outside of that, what do you see the difference? Anything coming up? Yeah, so I see the tax definitely going up, but I think you're going to see a lot of dental savings plans. I think that the dental insurance is kind of, I've already seen this. Dental insurance isn't covering anything. And people are kind of like, why am I paying for this when I can go to my dental office and they have a, a plan where I pay however much? I think that's going to be really big. And I think that's really going to help people retain patients. But DSOs are coming in strong. They're coming in strong. So I see the valuations on practices going up significantly. Hey, crazy money. And the cost of labor is going up. So, But I think people in general are going to the dentist more. And they understand the need. And it's not as much of a want to. And now they see it as a have to. So I feel like it's becoming less of a commodity. Like People are going to go. People are going to make it a point. People are going to get there. And I think COVID showed that. Right. No, I think you're right. Now you said a lot of stuff in there. So let me, let me kind of take a couple of things out. The dental savings plan. Do you mean like a flexible spending account for dental needs or do you mean like a health savings account for dental needs? Talk a little specifically, what do you mean? So a lot of my clients are doing like, kind of, it's almost like a membership, like okay. pay. Oh, so it's like pay $50 a month or $60 yeah. a month. And, and they so get like free hygiene or just pay for x-rays or, you know, so it's almost like an internal that's a brilliant marketing. It's fantastic. And the patient retention that comes from that is great. And honestly, it's cheaper than dental insurance and it covers, I mean, it's, it's a cheaper option. So I've okay. a lot of people doing that. Well, you're cutting a middleman out in that regard. So. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and you don't have to worry about contracts and rates and making sure claims are filed on time and correct. I mean, it, it really does help. So why do you think DSOs, their valuations of practices are going to increase. Do you think they're still starving for yield so much that they're just chasing rate of return that much? I think they're chasing rate of return. And I think that they're starting to get attention from the bigger equity partners, like kind of the big, big guys. So they're looking to build something that's going to be worth more to the next guy. At this Almost point. like what happened after 2008 with the rental pro- single exactly. family homes becoming a big, the biggest owner of real estate in say the Atlanta area where you're at was private equity. And so now we have one mutual friend who thinks within five years, 75% of dental practices will be owned by DSOs. What is your take on that statement? Oh, I agree. I agree. I think that the valuations that DSOs are giving to these single owner dentists is 
and they're creating such a market, it's difficult to compete in. They have better deals with Shine, they have better, bigger buying power, so they're getting supplies cheaper. They are paying the labor. I mean, some of the hourly that I'm hearing is crazy to me, but that's what they'll do. And they've got insurance. Like how much are you seeing in hourly rates? I just saw an assistant get an, and he was at $15 an hour, $25 an hour to DSO, which wow. is crazy. Okay. So if I'm fresh out of dental school and I've always dreamed of owning my own practice, why would I own my own practice? Or maybe it's like, hey, own your own practice now, grow it as fast as you can, sell it. But five years from now, if I'm a freshman in college and I want to own, I want to be a dentist, it's eight, nine years before I, own, I can come out ready to go. Why would I do that if I can only go work for corporate dentistry and they're going to own the market? Yeah. The only reason I would do that is to build something real quick and sell it to somebody. But eight, nine years from now, it might not be even worth it. Coming out of school like that, I would buy something like just be a partner somewhere. Right. Okay. One of the bottom, one of the practices. You think maybe, maybe the more rural communities that DSOs probably aren't interested yes. in? Yes. Yeah. I think you have some time with the D. I mean, I feel like it's probably like a 20 year. I don't think it's five years. I think five years, it'll be a large percentage owned by DSO. But I think in the rural communities and some of maybe away from the major cities, you'll still have that single owner dentist that can And and the multiples they're paying, you know, it's not just a standard multiple of X. There's many more factors involved, is there not? Oh, there absolutely is. I mean, are you a self-managed business? What does your cash flow look like? What does your paycheck retention look like? The uh, due diligence we go through, and we've done it. We do due diligence quite often. It's extensive. I mean, they're looking at the whole practice and the history of the practice, the location. I mean, what are your contracts, your insurance contracts? Are you fee for? I mean, they're really taking into account. And some of the multiples are to over two and a half times top line revenue, which is insane. Are you but, seeing it only predominantly with generals? Because I mean, I've seen a few specialists, but not near as many specialists as generals. No, not not near as many. There's some states that specialists are real popular. Orthos are really, the DSOs are really popular with like orthos in uh, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Utah, they're looking real hard in those states. And the US, some of the DSOs are doing like jumbo practices. So anything over 8 million and those valuations are crazy. Some of the orthos, I'm seeing it like eight times, I'm going to say EBITDA, but basically like bottom line. So profit before taxes and interest. It's crazy right now. And I wouldn't blame anybody for selling it. This, I mean, why wouldn't you? That's why I'm like helping my clients, you know. No, get. it's like if they're going to give you the money, but I'm like, you've got to have a uh, a second act, even if that means oh, starting on practice, because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you're going to go insane if you're, because I've known several people in their early 40s selling. I'm like, you got to go figure out what you're going to do with your life because you can't. What are you going to do next? And I have some that, I mean, they'll stay for two to three years at the same, you know, as part of the contract to do their earnout. some up to five years on earnout. And then they're like, I just want to be, go, go be associate somewhere. Just work two, three days a week, go be an associate and not have to worry about running this practice. That's great. Yeah, I know and then one some guy, are like, I want to go do real estate. <laughs> I, I know one guy who's an ortho who sold his practice. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do my earnout. And he goes, I kind of feel like I've kind of cracked the code. I can go do this again somewhere else. So yep. I was like, that's fantastic. Oh yeah. So, I have some that are like developing software for dental practices or the dentist specifically. I mean, it's like, what's your next life going to be? What do you want to do now? Exactly. Which is so, great. Tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, who, who a dentist needs to have on their team in terms of 
professional advisors to guide them over the long haul? Oh, yeah. So you need a really great CPA, a really good financial planner, and I would suggest a really good a bookkeeper, Kevin. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, you know, it's critical because, you know, uh, I know you have strategic relationships with people and, you know, I know there's some CPAs who only send their clients to you and because they've told me that it's like they make my life so much easier. Benchmarks make my life so much easier. He, he's like, I'll pay for someone to use benchmarks if they don't want to pay for it because it makes that my life so much easier. And then having a good CPA who's willing to think strategically outside the box, but also legally outside the box, because when you own a business, you you are permitted more tax advantages than if you're a W-2. So that's definitely, definitely a benefit as well. So Tell me a little bit about, uh, you've seen everything across the board, you know, probably someone barely struggling to make it and someone making more money than they know what to do with. What does the phrase financial health mean to you? So when someone says financial health to me, I don't actually equate it to the dollars in the bank account. That will get there. Financial health is planning. Financial health is actively doing something every week or every, however often you have to, I, I definitely think at least weekly to make sure that you are doing going to end up in a better place than you started the year at. So are you maintaining? It's kind of like a car. Like you can't just drive your car into the ground. You can't just keep running and think that you're going to go somewhere. You have to have an end game. So financial health to me is just, are you checking in? Are you doing the things that's flossing? Are you doing the things you need to do to stay healthy? It's the same exact thing. Are you looking at your money? Are you planning for the future? Are you watching your cash flow? Are you sticking to a budget or are you just going out and spending whatever you want to spend? Do you understand what's coming up in next week? Have you planned for that? It's a state of not living in chaos. No, that's good advice right there. And so as someone who gives advice on a weekly, if not daily basis to a dentist, what would you say the best advice you ever received was? That I've ever received? I really think the best is that your your expenses will rise to your income because that is a thousand percent true. Yes. And we work most, a lot of our dentists, almost all of them, honestly, you know, we have, we don't, we have buckets. Your money goes into different buckets and we plan and we say, okay, this is how much payroll is. So this much has to go into that bucket. And this is how much your loan is. And this has, you know, this goes in this bucket. Okay. You want to go to Europe next year, take your family. Great. Let's start planning that. Let's, let's make a bucket for that. Because if you leave it all in that operating account, you will spend it because it is sitting there. And that is what we do as humans. That's just who we are. It is. It's human nature, unfortunately. You know, you and I should do another podcast on stories we've heard from people. It's great. Fascinating. (laughs) So I'm a big reader. So I always ask this question. Are you a reader? And if you are, what are you reading right now? I am a very big reader. And I'm reading multiple books right now, but see, I've tried that. I'm not real good with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have like the audiobook that I'm reading and then the book on the nightstand that I'm reading. There's a few, but um, I'm rereading Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Who Not How, Dan Sullivan. Oh, Dan Sullivan. You mentioned self-managing company a couple of times. That's definitely a Dan Sullivanism. Oh yeah. I love Dan Sullivan. He is a rock star. And I love everyone. I, Gina Whitman comes there who wrote Traction, who does uh, the Entrepreneurial Operational System, EOS. Yes. I love him. I will read as much as I can. That's, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, and Girl, I, Wash Your Face. I'm also reading Girl, Wash Your Face. Is that a novel? It is not. It's kind of a girl power kind of. Okay. Cool. You can be a mom and 
a rock star business owner too. Well, I think you've proven that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> so we kind of mentioned this earlier, but what advice would you give to someone just starting a practice? Uh, the advice that I would give is be, I like the rinse and repeat model. Yes, be unique. Yes, try new things, but try it and do it for three to four months and see if it works. If it doesn't work, small adjustments. Do not try to do everything at once and make huge changes all at once because then you don't know what works and what doesn't work. Try it, track it, adjust it, but give yourself time and be smart. Don't go buy every brand new thing out there. Just start where you're at and make small changes and give it time to take to see those changes and to see make sure that they take root and then decide if you want to try to do something different. Do not go and rebuild Rome. Rome was not built in a day. That's, that's great advice right there. That's great advice. So last question for you today. What does the future hold for you and for Benchmark's financial group? Where do you guys see yourselves going? So we, I love the dental group. I think it's great. I think we're going to work on a lot of transitions. I think we're going to help people start practices and sell them. And we're going to do that by building this package that you're going to have the history of your practice. And when you go to sell it, they're going to ask you for it. And we are going to make you look like the biggest rock star out there. And it helps the valuation. You know, I've spoke to many brokers. They're like, this was so easy. And this transaction was so great. And we will make you look like a rock star to whoever's buying, which will get you that highest valuation, which will get. And I think that's where we're going to end, you know, because I think that that's where the industry is going. And if we can do that, I mean, that's awesome because it helps the dentist or the our client. And that's honestly, that's all we, we, we know numbers, we know dental practices, we know how to do that. And this is how we can serve. And that's what I think are how we can help moving forward. I think that's what that looks like. That's fantastic. So Joelle, if anyone listening wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? So, well, on our website is benchmarks with a SCO.com. Um, there's a contact us and you can make schedule an appointment there to just jump on the phone and have a quick 10, 15 minute phone call, or then they can email me, which is Joelle at benchmarksco.com. I mean, they can give us a call, but I like to, we are on the phone quite often. So the the scheduling app on the uh, website is usually the best case scenario. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty efficient way of doing things. Well, Joelle, it's been very interesting speaking with you today. I want to thank you for your time uh, today. It's been really enjoyable and people get a lot from this. So you guys have been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. 
North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021-119535. Expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2021-122382. Expiration June 2023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.